You're listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, we've got Andrew Dambina back on the program. Anders, it's great to speak to you. How are you? How are you, Noreen? Good? I'm very sorry. Good? <laughs> because I didn't get you on the Zoom, I put you on a different fader. Yes, I, I missed the first part. You, you're good. I'm, I'm gather uh, you sound well. Yeah, yeah, you too. You too. Well, it's nice. I think we're into kind of summer already now, aren't we? It's like up to 27 degrees today. That's I mean, it's, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty warm. In my mind, because it's March, it's, it's still winter. And then when it's, when it's yeah. April and May, that's spring. That's how I divide well, it. Should it should be. Yeah. No, it should be. I'm just saying how it feels. Yeah. Anyway. 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 Yeah. Summer. But, Summer, but, here um, we come. <laughs> yeah. But before we do, um, there's, um, well, actually, not just for the season now, but I'll start off with uh, the first segment. I've got two local things of interest here, two bits of uh, food and drink news. So, um, Tong Chong Street Market in Quarry Bay is about to go, no, it's actually already gone daily on weekdays with a schedule, a new schedule. Um, it used to be only uh, running during November and February, which is, um, you know, the cooler months. But it's, uh, it's just kicked off last week. Now it's got a weekday schedule and it's going to have different themes every two months, which is pretty cool. So have you, have you ever been there, Noreen? The one in, in, um, in, in Wan Oh, no, no, sorry. No, I, oh, yeah, I have. Oh, yeah. Pretty cool. It is, but I haven't been in, in a long time. No, well, you know, I mean, until they've done this rejig when it um, launched, it was uh, weekend market only. That's right. During those cooler months. Yeah, yeah, now they've gone the other way. They're open from uh, Monday to Friday. Um, it's going to be, except for public holidays, it's like opposed to all on Mondays and Fridays, which they will do soon for Easter. Um, and it's open uh, from 8 until 3 p.m. Weird timings, but good for people. I guess it really serves the people who live or work around the area. 8 a.m., that's kind of catching the breakfast crowd, but uh, but closing at 3, so breakfast and lunch, basically. Bear it in mind if, you, if, if anyone, uh, if, if a listener is going to be going to the Quarry Bay area. It's, um, and it, it kicked off last week, then, with a schedule uh, of uh, two months doing something that it's calling a tea festival. So mm-hmm. it's going to be, yeah, all kinds of different um, uh, Asian and Western teas and uh, tea sets. So food platters of interesting either single items or some of them are tea sets like mixed uh, savory or sweet or savory and sweet in a couple of cases where you can get um, uh, things that are going to go well with the tea. And some of the vendors have actually paired their, uh, their food with the tea they're serving, which I always love, a bit of paired drink and food, whether it's, whether it's alcoholic or not. So that's always interesting um, to see how things react. You know, you might have a tea set with six different items on it and they all have been chosen because there's something about them, ingredient or texture or fragrance-wise, that goes with that tea. should be quite interesting. Yeah. Do you um, have a favourite tea, Andrew? Um, uh, right now, I would say I'm back to the probably the most predictable, tedious uh, English breakfast with... Uh, tedious. Not with, not with dairy milk. I like it. Yeah, not... Yeah, not 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 with dairy milk though, because uh, don't think that agrees with me so much anymore. So I'm going for not to be too kind of bohemian or you know trendy about it, but I'm going for almond milk instead. Oh. So uh, that's yeah, that's that that's so that's what I'm that's what I'm going for these days. Ha, ha, have um, you looked that, up the drought about, that it's causing almond milk? Just putting it out there. 
noticed? Have I noticed what? Uh, 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 Sorry. Do, do you know about the drought that almond is is causing? The almond milk is causing. Anyway, just we we talked about it in the earlier uh, segment today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, did you today? Okay, no, it's um. Uh, yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to check more carefully. As you've mentioned it, I've totally forgotten about that. I heard about that some time ago, and now. No, now I've got a taste for it again, and I am buying it again. I should, I should do that because I, I don't, I don't remember. In, in short, in a, in an almond nutshell, what's the, uh, what, what, I mean, is it, is it, um, does it apply to uh, basically, does it apply to the ones that are made by Hong Kong's biggest non-dairy milk company? That's oh. the one I buy. That oh, okay. Brand, okay. Beginning with V. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I'm, I'm not sure where they get their almonds from. I mean, if it's from California, okay. then yes. I mean, I only learned about it from the good place. So probably not. Right. Yeah. Right. But, okay. No, but now, now you said that, I will, I will, yeah, I will look into that. By the way, um, what's your favorite tea? Um, I, I really like pu'er tea. I, I like English breakfast tea. Um, and mm-hmm. I like uh, salmay. Is that jasmine tea? I don't even know what it is. No. Called. Oh, no. I don't even know what it is in English. Salmay, what's that? Uh, that Jasmine Hernpin, isn't it? Oh. That's, uh, um, yeah, Salme, Salme is my, uh, is Mrs. D's favorite, uh, cuppa if we go to a Chinese restaurant. So I also can't remember what the yeah. English translation oh, for that is, but, they, but that's what we normally have. It's a green tea. Yeah. And it's more bitter than jasmine. It's a white tea. Isn't it a white tea? Um, okay. I don't know if it's classified as a white tea, but when it, when, I mean, the, the color of it in the cup is perhaps just a shade lighter than, than jasmine, Ooh, I think. I don't know. It's, anyway, um, so, yeah, yeah th- those are, I, I quite like those kind of teas. Right, so right. Chinese tea. Well, and there's English another breakfast. tea that you, there's, a, there's another tea that you like, Noreen, that you failed to mention, so I'll bring it up, and I checked for you that um, bubble tea is available <laughs> at the Tong Chong <laughs> uh, market, uh, although you won't be able to get there because it finishes at three and you're working. But, it's, um, but just so you know, your favourite tea, but that is what used to be one of them, um, is there. So, um, they, they, yeah, um, for, the, uh, for the listener or others who can make it there, um, the, the themes coming in the near future will be um, a signature street food carnival, which will have different street foods from Asia and South America and the rest of the world. That sounds quite interesting. Um, and uh, also there'll be a summer food-themed festival. Um, there'll be one that revolves all around coffee as well. Those are ones to look forward to in the future. Find out more at www.taikuplace.com. Okay, on to something else, which is a market theme and a local uh, event that's happening. Fingers crossed, you know, unless COVID explodes too much. Um, the, there's an Easter market that's been announced by Upper House Hotel in uh, Admiralty. And unlike the Tong Chong Street Market that I just mentioned, this one is an indoor affair. And it's in their top floor in a venue in a uh, venue called the Sky Lounge, which uh, is called that because it has surround views of Hong Kong. And, um, and it's limiting the amount of people that can go in because uh, of COVID restrictions or, or keeping... Uh, it's a private uh, function, so, they, they, you know, they, uh, they don't have to have uh, tables. They're allowed to have a function of so many people. Um, so it's, it's only happening on uh, one day, this one, and it's on the Sunday, the 28th of this month of March, from 10 till 6 p.m., and it's a ticketed uh, event. It all sounds much more um, exclusive in terms of food produce um you know it's in a five-star hotel um so the stalls and uh uh food and drink that are are there are really kind of the refined variety that you don't 
consume while you're there. It's something that you take home for a treat. So um, one of the things that, that picks my imagination, and I really want to find out more about uh, this company, I won't mention the name of it, but it's a locally made nut butter company that is producing basically everything from peanut to hazelnut and well, you name the nut. They're doing about 10 or 12 different ones, making them locally and putting them into uh, jars with their own oils, um, which is kind of interesting that someone's doing such a uh, labor-intensive um, uh, production within Hong Kong. Brazil so nut? Do they have Brazil nut? I don't know that. Oh, you had to you had to pick the one they don't have. <laughs> no, 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 they don't. But they've got lots of other ones. Um, so that's uh, if people want to know more about this, uh, tickets um, tickets do cost a hundred dollars. But uh, but apparently, uh, when I check this out, you can uh, you can use your ticket against a barbecue that's been going to be going on there. So it sounds like a pretty nice Sunday thing to do. Um, half of the stalls are all food and drink, and the other half are um, lifestyle products. So. If it gets pretty, if it gets even warmer than this day that I've been saying feels like summer, um, you might feel like uh, going to an indoor market there, and you can go to eventbrite.hk and look for Tatsla times uh, the Upper House Easter Market. Hmm. So Tatler, Tatler, because Hong Kong Tatler Magazine seems to be a collaborator in this. So that's your local updates of a couple of interesting markety things that are going on, which sounds quite quite. Quite nice, both of them actually. It to does. Me. I'm looking forward um, to that. Yeah, um, and we uh, we venture um, around a couple of uh, places in the world for other food reports now. And the first one is a curious headline that was published in the Bangkok Post newspaper this morning that grabbed my attention. Um, I will mention a brand here: Burger King enters the fried chicken zone. That's a great headline. I love that headline. <laughs> grab <laughs> grab my attention straight away, um, and I have to read on. And um, so it notes that there's currently a huge buzzing trend in Thailand, uh, according to the um, according to the general manager of the aforementioned fast food, mostly known for its burgers chain. Um, and um, they they say that uh, lots of restaurants in Thailand have been going really nuts for uh, um, for fried chicken with all sorts of combinations of flavoured batter, mm. uh, not just the regular. Um, American style, made famous by the uh, you know the other chain with the man with the white beard, um, but also going for I mean Korean um, uh, fried chicken is quite has been quite a trendy thing um, to a small extent around the world, which is uh, has a kind of more of a spicy batter. Yeah. But in this morning's yeah this morning's report, so the general manager of uh, of Burger King Thailand named some of the other popular eateries in that country, Thailand, that's known mostly for hamburgers, who have recently taken on the idea of fried chicken with great success. So, uh, obviously, they don't want to be left out of this uh, thing that's kind of really buzzing in Thailand at the moment. And he also noted that Japanese restaurants who hadn't been into fried chicken have also now got in on the act. And Korean restaurants, as I mentioned just before, um, who, I mean, Korean fried chicken is a little bit popular in Hong Kong too, um, but but it's become more and more popular in Thailand. Um, so the, uh, the, the that that fast food chain that I mentioned from America um, is going to um, is about to launch the first that they have ever launched anywhere in the world, just because they've tapped into something that's got um, the local taste buds enamoured. Um, and um, he did say, though, the, uh, the, general, the general manager of fast food chain, that um, he's read reports that around the world, um, deep fried 
you know, battered fried chicken has gone up tremendously in numbers during the pandemic, during the COVID-19 pandemic, because it's uh, just a, uh, you know, conveniently uh, takeout and consumed food. What about you, Noreen? Have you, uh, do you, have you or anyone you know been uh, going more for fried chicken these days? Yeah, we, we, we live near a KFC, so occasionally oh, really? we'll have that. I'll tell you what would grab my, um, what headline would grab my attention if KFC entered the beef zone. You know, they'd, they'd have to change their name, really, because their whole brand is about chicken. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I mean, actually, yeah, they, they, apart from their salads and fries, I'm just trying to think. I haven't been to one for a while, but do they do anything that is not chicken, meat-wise? Um, I don't think so. Really. N- no, they never. I mean, they certainly didn't. They, they, they do. They, they do a mushroom rice. But that's not meat. Yeah, that's. Oh, okay. Well, that's no. That's that's interesting. I mean, because uh, yeah, we've covered in this segment before how uh, McDonald's in America has gone for um, uh, the um, you know the um, meat-free burgers as well, which is. Uh, something i guess i guess everyone maybe maybe you know maybe all of these chains are just trying to jump on diversify. whatever bandwagon is going exactly well yeah. diversify that's a better way of saying it rather than <laughs> jump on any bandwagon that happens to pass their door <laughs> yeah times are um, tough these days you've just got to cater to the consumer's needs i yeah. think so yeah definitely if you see if you see it's booming around you, you can understand why they did that in thailand um so it's because uh, it's true. Um, sometimes you'll go to a fast food. Sometimes you'll go to a restaurant and you think, "Oh, I really feel like this." And but then if you see something else on the menu, you're likely to also try it out. But if you go to a place yeah. that only sells, I don't know, chicken, for example, you know, there's no, mm. you, you can't really have another alternative. So maybe it's no, good that there's, uh, and rather than going to someplace else, you know, it's good to offer more. I, I, I don't definitely. know. I've got to, no, I've got to say, it's true. And, you know, um, I mean, I don't have so many uh, choices on the, uh, in the outlying island that I live on. And, um, and it's something that we often discuss as a family, uh, if we want to go out to eat something or to get a takeaway, is, uh, is what can we have? And, and, it, and we, we, we do, we kind of know the menus so well, having lived here for a while. Um, and in a, in a place, the place I live, you know, the population's quite small. Um, and yeah, if either in the city, like you just mentioned, if you have a chicken-focused menu, or if you're in a place that has a limited amount of uh, of diners, um, it's uh, it's not that appetising. I think people do have to change menus now and then to just keep things uh, to keep the diner interested to come back, probably. Yeah, um, exactly. The ones, the one, the ones in Thailand, though, just for uh, just for general interest, and I'll just leave this item. But um, um, there's there's one um, that, uh, that that does have a spicy kick, and I saw a photo in the Bangkok Post. I didn't bother sending you this one, but uh, of uh, of the general manager and a couple of colleagues standing there with a you know with a with a couple of different uh, types of spicy chicken. It wasn't the, it wasn't the greatest photo, nor that's why I didn't send it to you. And um, one of them, the batter looked a sort of uh, a, uh, a kind of a pinkish colour, which um, which must so, be the spicy one. Yeah, pink. I mean, not not bright fluorescent pink, but but kind of a, a kind you know, of a, I don't know. Doesn't sound very appetising. No, I know. I didn't like look at it. I, I mean, I feel, you know, if I find myself in Thailand, if travel gets back and I get, get, get going at some time, I don't think I'll be rushing to one of those uh, chain places to try the spicy uh, chicken there. Um, yeah. So that's uh, let, let, let's move on from Thailand's uh, chicken fried chicken trend to uh, to the last thing I wanted to mention, which is uh, something from a magazine that I haven't mentioned for a while, but I am a keen reader of this one, the Eater magazine in uh, in America, which is a consumer um, magazine which uh, goes in depth, mostly things 
to do with um, uh, the dining scene in America. But now and then they talk about a bigger kind of trend or something food-related that's of interest. And they've just started putting out um, some editor's opinion pieces or an editor's column, and they're rotating it. When I say editor, that could be any writer. And one columnist, um, Rebecca Marks, wrote a piece that came out a couple of days ago called Repurpose Your Leftover Tinned Fish Oil. The, the title has said it all, really, but I will go on. And it's, um, it's I mean, it, it, it does make you think in times where a lot of the things that we've spoken about, and I know you have other, other guests or regular um, uh, contributors as well who do talk about eco-friendly suggestions. Uh, well, you, you and I were, were, were leading the way years ago with a, with a, with a green program that we did. <laughs> Indeed. So it's something that I think we've both been interested in. So another article that I thought would be worth talking about today. So she says that when she was growing up, she remembers that her parents had a tin, which was a kind of, which used to be a canned tomato tin. But they used to put all of their oil and dripping. Dripping is a very British phrase, but it refers to the oil that drips off meat that's grilled or uh, or baked and they would put all of this into a uh, into a tin in the in the uh, in the fridge and i thought she was going to say something like then they put it on their food or something which doesn't sound too good when you're mixing various types of uh, oil from meat um and um she went on to say that um they called it the grease can not a very great name either is it the grease can and um so, um, but it wasn't that at all. They would then dispose of it. They they did that, and then they would dispose of it to uh, to put it in a in a place where it was responsible that was responsible to throw out food trash. So, uh, but which you know which they do, which is available in America. Um, so um, she she goes on to say though that it made her think sometime on that um, she doesn't eat meat herself anymore, but she eats lots of tinned fish. And she thought that uh, she'd start collecting it to dispose of it responsibly with other food waste rather than just kind of, you know, pour it down the sink or something, um, as most people really have mm. to do here because there's no way of disposing of it in Hong Kong, really. Um, but um, the, her mentality changed when she got a certain jar, uh, a certain brand of olives, which, sorry, anchovies, which are really loved by chefs and diners of the world. Uh, I'll just drop the name really quickly, Oritz. Uh, they are they're, they're, they're meant to be some of the best um, uh, anchovies in the world, come in jars and tins. I can see we're coming up to the end of this. I might have to carry this one on next time, Noreen. I'm just suddenly seeing we've got like a few seconds left. Am I correct? No, we've got a, yeah, yeah, about 30 seconds. Okay. Basically, the long and the short of it is that she, she realised the oil was as tasty as the anchovies inside her jar and she started sautéing garlic with it and she hasn't looked back since. So she went on to then experiment with tuna, mackerel, and all sorts of other tinned fish to see what she could add to previously made fried rice. She'd kind of give it a, she'd toss it with oil from a fish ta uh, can like mackerel, and it gave an extra depth of flavour. So consider the very flavoured uh, oil that's with fish in tins or jars as something that you could use as an extra condiment or. Uh, seasoning in something that you're making. That's very that clever. Uh, that's very mm. clever. So with, with the tuna, and sometimes it comes in the oil, I use the oil um, with the pasta. So I, yeah. I, I chuck it in there because sometimes when you boil that's a pasta good. with water, you, you add a dash of oil to stop them yeah. from sticking. So well, I just save that's that. one of her... 
Yeah. That's exactly one of her suggestions. That was one of the things that she started with after discovering that from the Antonis. Yeah. Oh, very oh, interesting. You're already, you're already doing it. I did that as a poor uni student, you know? You know how it is. Anyway, Andrew, thank yeah. you so much for your sharing this week, and I look forward to more sharings uh, from you next week. Thank you very much indeed. That's Andrew Dambina, our Tuesday correspondent.